Welcome into the Best Coast Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Brandon. I'm here with Josh, a different Josh this time. We'll introduce him here in just a second. And Jordan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Hey, what's up, guys? They just got me off the street. Uh, yeah, just uh, any other Josh is just going to work, right? The yeah. other Josh is out of town right now. Uh, he'll be back joining us soon. But uh, for now, we just, uh, you know, we found another guy named Josh. Said, hey, you want to do this uh, podcast? So uh, they, they hooked gonna, me with the podcast. We're going to rock it. Everyone else does podcasts. We were like, but we do podcast. It's different. So. No, last night we were all hanging out. We uh, went to a little get together with a bunch of friends, started talking some football and uh, needed a fill in. So we 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 were hitting up uh, Josh. He was actually somebody that helped out with that uh, mock draft that we did, the um, 12 team PPR mock draft that we did. We called him Ritter in that. That's his uh, that's his name for all of us around here. But we'll we'll call him Josh today just so it doesn't get uh, too weird for everybody out there. So. <laughs> just need to have that consistency early on. Yeah, exactly. Jordan, Josh, Josh nice it's just easier. I'm going yeah. to grow out that beard, too. Just yeah. That belly laugh. Yeah, you can give him you can stick with his bad takes. I just uh, will not uh, say I'm a Raiders fan. That's the one thing I just line I cannot. <laughs> there you go. I'm OK with that one. How are you guys feeling after last night? I'm doing great. I'm good. With the baby. I think some of the other people that were uh, with us last night probably aren't doing as good as we are, but I got out of there a little bit earlier. I had to, I had to drive us home. So I was, I played it safe. I didn't drink as much as everybody else did. Alex's spare bed is nice and comfy. I'm glad that I, you know, made the decision not to drive and I uh, woke up and felt pretty good this morning. Got some coffee. Doing, Shout out. Doing though. good. Ready to rock. Shout out to, uh, Tequila Sunrise uh, Jello shots. Yes, those, those are, are fucking <laughs> very, very good. I can't, I can't do, uh, I can't do tequila. So I didn't join you guys in those ones. That's, uh, that's not my forte. But he's like a man. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been through, been through plenty of tequila in my day, and it's uh, ruined me at this point. So, so on today's uh, episode, we're gonna go through, you know, the usual. We'll go through some news and notes from. Uh, around the league, stuff that's been going on uh, at camp. And, you know, we had our first kind of full slate of uh, preseason games uh, over the weekend. Um, so we'll go through those. And then we're also going to talk a little bit more in depth on uh, 12 team Dynasty Superflex startup uh, league settings, different strategies, what our strategies are. Give you guys a different point of view from, uh, Josh here on what his strategies are when he goes into something like this. So it'll just be a little bit uh, different side. We actually have uh, our first uh, 12 team full PPR super flex dynasty startup tonight. Uh, we're going to be drafting in it. All three of us will be drafting in that. So give a little bit of what our strategies are going into that draft today and kind of what we're going to be doing uh, there. We're so. going to make it hard on ourselves by discussing our actual strategies <laughs> with each other before the draft. Yeah. I don't think any of us draft all that close to each other, though, so it'll probably be all right. Yeah, yeah we should. No, we close to your two picks ahead of me, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm at the very beginning, so, so. I'm, I'm far enough away from you guys that I, I should be OK. But uh, they're still, you know, still a way for you guys to steal it. I mean, we did a mock the other night and Jordan literally stole like six straight players from me. And I was upset at that one, but I think we'll be okay there early on in that. Uh, what is it? Just because there's a third round reversal, which is so hard to get your head around. Um, you are going to snipe me at least three times in a row and it's going to be terrible. Oh yeah. So Ooh, we will, we will go over that. that one. We will go over the third round reversal too. It's totally different. So first let's get into a little bit of news. Um, so in the, uh, preseason game, first preseason game early on in the game, Zach Wilson was, uh, took off running on a little scramble and it looked like an ACL tear injury, uh, like early, uh, all the initial reports were that he tore his ACL. Everyone thought that's what the case was. Um, after the game, he was in the locker room, didn't have a knee brace on. Everything seemed to look okay. Uh, they thought that the ACL was intact. Now they're doing a little bit more diving into it. I guess he's taking off and he's flying to LA to get a knee procedure done. Mm -hmm. They're saying that um, they won't know what the extent of it is or how long he's going to be out right now. The initial uh, 
talk is that it's going to be two to four weeks, but they're saying once they actually get in and start the procedure, they're going to see if they actually have to repair the meniscus or do anything along those lines that could be a four to six month recovery. So there still is a possibility he's out for the full season, but they won't know until they actually start the procedure. Right now, the way they're talking about it is they're just going to go in there, uh, relieve some of the swelling, and he's going to be able to recover on his own. But once they get in and if they see any sort of a tear to the PCL mm-hmm. or the MCL, then they're going to do a procedure to actually fix it because they're more worried about long-term health than than this season. That so. makes sense. You know, the Jets are probably not a playoff team this year. They need oh, to no. think long-term with their franchise quarterback. So, uh, you know, they're going to play it safe, obviously. Although some people are worried about Salah's job long-term. And so uh, this whole thing has been really weird because it did from the very beginning, it looked like a non-contact injury. Then they Mm. were saying bone bruise, which to me made absolutely no sense just based on the mechanism. Um, But I I don't know. We're, we're really not going to know anything until after this procedure is done. So, so we'll just it does wait and see. depend on what kind of uh, meniscus tear it is, because if it's just kind of like a, uh, a debridement, so it's just cutting off the extra tissue, that's really minor, and that's like something you can bounce back in two or three weeks. Um, you know, the body mechanics depends if like the bones can you know collided or if there's pulling of the ligaments, then that's different. That can cause extra damage. But um, that's just one of those tricky ones. Like you know, it's either persistent injury and. You know, it's going to be something he's going to have to deal with off and on. Like, uh, what is it? T- uh, tackles get this all the time, you know? It, and it's just like you're planting a lot. You don't know exactly when your mechanics are going to be uh, maintaining themselves kind of to their regular comfort levels. And that's going to be really hard for him. Gotcha. Well, that's some good info there. Uh, we've got another knee injury, unfortunately. Drake London, the rookie wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, was injured in the preseason game as well. We are supposed to, I believe, get an MRI, get MRI results on Monday. Um, so far, the reports seem pretty optimistic that it doesn't seem like it's a serious injury or anything that should impact him long term. So we'll just have to wait and see. Um, if he's, you know, back to practice before the regular season starts, I don't really see adjusting my rankings, especially in like a dynasty format or anything. So. We'll, we'll just wait until tomorrow, see what kind of news we get, and go forward from there. He's already like pretty low for me on the redraft side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I mean, I would still keep an eye on what's going on, but in Dynasty, you still got to take him. I mean, he's still a long term prospect. It's, First it's round not going to be wide yeah. receiver. He came out early. Uh, I mean, he checks all the boxes. Like, yeah. he's, he's, I, I'm a big Drake London believer. Oh, yeah. Good news is, is it's nothing serious. I mean, they are, they are pretty optimistic that it's, it's nothing too serious. Um, We'll stick with the injury side. Uh, the Brown Center, uh, Nick Harris, is going to have a season-ending um, surgery, uh, knee injury. You know, that's that's a pretty big blow to, to that offensive line. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, the, to be honest, I watched uh, some of the highlights from the start of that game with the whole first team playing and <laughs> did not look good at all. No. It was, uh, I think, uh, Watson ended up being like two for seven for 15 yards. It was, it was just bad, all around just bad, and this doesn't help them at all. I'm not sure what this is going to do. I have to look into it a little bit further as far as what it's going to do to, you know, Chubb and uh, Hunt. Um, I don't think it's going to change too much for me, but uh, it certainly is something to, to look at and keep an eye on. Uh, I mean, I would say that, you know, this was projected to be probably like a top five offensive line Mm -hmm. in in the NFL. This is really going to matter for those running backs, especially if Deshaun Watson isn't starting there. And, you know, like these these other guys they've got there at quarterback aren't major threats to a defense. So if you've already got a banged up offensive line and not a great guy at quarterback, uh, you know, Chubb's going to be facing a lot of stack boxes and not probably having as much success as he has in the past. So. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, the main thing with that is I think that, yeah, if they're not, well, Watson's always a question anyway, but Brisket, I like him, but he's average. And so he'll maintain, yes. but this is going to make him on the back of his heels, running for his life at times. The center's the most important like offensive line position. I think it actually makes me want to fade Chubb a little bit. 
Um, Hunt, though, because he's such a prolific pass catcher, I think he'll be fine because they'll be scrambling, trying to release early. It actually might increase his value. But also, if you're like, you know, uh, Dean Ernst Johnson truther, this gives you pause. Like, he's young. He's not going to be used to kind of uh, taking those tackles consistently. And I don't know. Like, Well, and that was part of what we talked about, like, in last week's episode, depending on what happens with Hunt or depending mm-hmm. on what happens with that offense, what the Ernest Johnson can do. An injured, you know, offensive line, I mean, yeah, it could change up, you know, the whole the whole dynamic of that team. I mean, they did just pay Dearness too, so yeah, yeah. kind of interesting to see. Uh, for me, like I'm, I'm taking the Browns at their word that they do not want to move Hunt, so I'm still looking at it currently as a you know Chubb Hunt one A one B kind of kind of backfield there. <laughs> we all you like know, a good Chubb Hunt. hunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. You know, I'm not I'm not projecting a ton for Dearness Johnson currently, and but it, it will be interesting to see with Deshaun Watson not starting the season. It sounds like almost certainly that you know if they come out and they lose, you know, the first five or six games or, or aren't playing well, how long are they really going to want to hold on to a you know the second running back in the room when they've already paid a third guy there? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he uh, he looks like maybe a potential like trade like he could be a trade candidate coming into the uh, into the trade trade deadline, deadline for yeah. sure. And that's somebody that's where I would like almost. I, I'm leaning more towards the maybe I wouldn't call it a buy low because mm-hmm. Hunt does have value right now and he's he's still a you know a good running back, but it's almost like a buy low candidate right now because if a if a running back goes down on one of those competing teams and they make a hard push at that deadline to try and get hunt that could vault him so far forward especially in a dynasty atmosphere so it's something that i would i would if you can attain him for a decent price i would look into getting hunt um yeah well it's it's interesting because it, now it's not the only path to a massive workload would be like if if Chubb got injured. Now yeah. there's several pathways to Hunt having like a ton of volume. And the sure. last time we saw him with that volume in Kansas City, he was a top 10 running back like on a weekly basis. Yeah. The other thing smashing, to, so. to think about is that they did draft. I mean, he's only a fifth round capital with Jerome Ford. There's uh, what is it? Camp pipe. Don't believe it. But also he looked good. And if they are struggling or if they're not going to contend this year, like they thought they would with, you know, the just Sean Watson situation, it makes sense for them in the future to sell high on hunt. Who's a premium, uh, you know, player who they probably don't want to pay long term. And, and he's 27 years old. He's and then kinda... you have two young running backs to kind of fill in that void. Cause I don't think Dearness is going to get it all by himself. Unlike Chubb, but you know, it's going to be a, interesting situation and you can't tell me that some of these uh competing teams that may need a running back i mean kansas city is one of them we talked about it last week kansas city buffalo you know some of these teams that could use somebody that's already experienced and they want to compete for a ring you can't tell me they wouldn't give up my guess is it'd be a sixth or seventh round pick to get hunt or injury come on it's like uh what is it uh uh the rams as much as i don't want to root for injury all the players all the running backs are prone to injury there so yeah i mean it would be if any of them went there, it'd be kind of, kind of crazy. Um, I mean, we'll stick with like the running back side, uh, in the game, um, yesterday, I think it was yesterday that the commanders ended up playing Antonio Gibson started out the game with the first team (laughs) immediately started fumbling the ball. Everything looked bad. They pulled him. Brian Robinson went in and looked great. And I know it's Mm preseason. It's different, but there's already been a lot of talk around camp about, Robinson getting, uh, you know, early down work, Robinson getting goal line work, and he looked really good in the game. And they pushed Antonio Gibson into playing with the second team. I don't know what that means. I've already been fading Antonio Gibson this whole offseason, anyways. Didn't want him in Dynasty. I don't want him in redraft. And now pay attention to what's going on in camp and in their upcoming preseason games. What happens with Brian Robinson? Was Ron Rivera still the head coach when it was uh, Jonathan Stewart and uh, I, I'm forgetting his name, but that, you know, that tandem, because before CMC took over, you know, Carolina always had a, a committee. So this might just be a tendency of the head coach. And then that kind of just was 
went a completely different direction just because you had a phenomenal talent that could do it all. So yeah. this just might be a tendency too. That's you know that's a good take. That's uh, you know an interesting uh, thing to look at is you know what happened before you had somebody so elite like Christian McCaffrey because those that can change things for a coach where uh, you know where they really want to split things up more, but you have a guy who just demands a workload so much. So um, that's that's definitely something something to look at. I'm. Honestly, I'm kind of fading that whole running back room. I mean, if you can take a shot late on Brian Robinson where he's going in a lot of drafts right now, absolutely. Or even J.D. McKissick because, mm. it, you know, if they're struggling to run the ball, which they very well could be, I don't think that's going to be a very good offense, then McKissick could be in there for a lot of passing work. Yeah. Will it be a worse offense, though? Because Wentz is still an upgrade. Is he? <laughs> I just... <laughs> I'm so torn on like what like Wentz is in the NFL. I mean, he makes you wince. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, I am. I'm. I'm. I'm torn on 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 that offense. I mean, I've talked about uh, you know my views on Terry McLaurin and you know what that offense really is is gonna be this year. I, I'm. I am fading that that backfield as well. I'm probably more of like a buy low candidate on Brian Robinson right now, mm-hmm. just because of what he, I mean, he could take over that backfield completely. Uh, Antonio Gibson could be another trade can- candidate as well. I mean, they, for a long time, they talked about, they want him to be the next CMC, which we've all seen that that is impossible. No one can be the next CMC. Um, but if you can buy low or, you know, if you're doing a, a startup and you can snag Brian Robinson, I mean, you can get him really late in, in like drafts. 14th or 15th round. I yeah. Think. You know, it's worth it to take that shot just to see what, what could happen with him in this off season. Cause he did to me, he looked really good. A lot of breakaways. I mean, I thought he looked pretty clean. He didn't have a ton of carries. They eventually pulled him out and didn't let him <coughs> run anymore, which is also a good sign for me in my opinion, that they're not letting him run anymore. And they pulled him out. They wanted, as a rookie, they wanted somebody else to take over and they put Gibson in. <laughs> That's a little interesting to me. You yeah. know, they didn't want him to hurt himself. So are they going to utilize him more? So that's hey. just something to keep an eye on. Do you temper, do temper your expectations there because McKissick's not going anywhere. Um, so he's he's almost certainly still going to be the passing downs work, even if Brian Robinson is it, uh, is you know, just playing awesome and, and really makes an impact on that rushing offense. They're still going to put McKissick out there for third downs. He's never done anything to lose those targets. Uh, you know, and they, they wanted, wanted him to back stay with Washington. They wanted him back. So uh, he's, he's going to be there. Um, but yeah, this is really interesting for Gibson. I'm, I'm like, he's fallen way down my draft boards to where I'm pretty much not willing to take him. Cause he's, he's going to get grabbed by somebody earlier than I'm willing to put capital into. We all do chase that RB1, though, and just uh, temper your expectations because I think his upside probably is going to be like a flex play. Yeah. Uh, so, like, he, you know, he's still a rookie and he wasn't drafted that high. Like, this wasn't a RB heavy draft. Uh, so, like, there's a reason why these people fell. Um, you know, we all fell in love with rookies. Just, you yeah, know, just not, know what the upside is. To me, he doesn't have RB1. He probably doesn't even have RB2 mm. upside. You're, yeah, you're looking at maybe a flex or, you know, by the end of this season, he could be admirably filling in on bye weeks (laughs) and that would, but you're, you're not going to want to, you're almost certainly not going to want to go into your championship thinking that you're going to be able to start Brian Robinson as your RB2. And if I am wrong about that and he is starting as your RB2, then I'm glad that I'm, I am glad that you bought him low. Um, (laughs) Another one, uh, so Melvin Gordon, we, we talked about that. We touched on this a little bit last week, uh, but we got a little bit more information. It, I guess it's right now it's just listed as a contusion at this point. They haven't said it's a bone contusion, anything like that. Um, I did see him back catching passes at practice before the game yesterday. Um, he was, uh, you know, catching passes out there. I actually saw a pretty funny tweet he had uh, his cell phone in his like sock while he was catching <laughs> passes and a, a beat reporter was like uh melvin gordon is on the field practicing with a uh this brace on his foot and he tweeted back and was like it's my cell phone i'm fine so you know it's like 
you don't believe everything that you read right now online about every one of these injuries. He seems to be doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, I'm not saying, you know, fade, you know, Javante now, obviously we talked about it last week. We're all pretty high on, on Javante, but uh, it's still something to monitor. He is still a 29 year old running back, you know, coming off of some sort of foot contusion and any foot injury on a running back, especially at 29 years old. Is is something to monitor. He feels like he's thirty two, though. I it did does feel like he's been in the league forever. It's like, all those touchdowns he scores when he's in. Man, he yeah. is a touchdown machine. He just has a nose for the end zone, and when he's on the field, he's awesome. But yeah. he's he's had injury history the mm-hmm. entire time he was with the Chargers. Like he was banged up pretty frequently. That's part of what led to the Austin Eckler ascension. There mm-hmm. was just getting so much opportunity when Melvin Gordon would get hurt. So. Um, I, I, man, if if he's banged up at all this year and just can't be out there the way he was last year, Javante is going to smash. He's he's going to absolutely crush his ADP where he's going in the second round. People will be sad they didn't draft him at the back of the first round on the turn. Yeah, Except for it's a contusion, which uh, in layman's terms means a bruise. And so it could just be a surface-level bruise. It could be a muscle bruise or it could be a bone bruise. And at the worst-case scenario, bone bruise, that's six weeks. They're just they're not they're going to rest him anyway. I think he's just going to be fine. It's just going to be like maybe week one they'll limit him. I'm still projecting like a split backfield, maybe a 55, uh, 45 in favor of Javante. I'm still not you know, you know, going that. It's still high not going to be an eighty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's not going to get the eighty percent workload at least right now. But man, if if there's as any issues as, with Gordon, I would love it, but it's not going to happen. While we're on that, this is a shout out to Zach, but I just wanted to remind everybody that the Broncos did beat Dallas again yesterday. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're going to be sending a float by his house to, uh, you know, they haven't, Dallas hasn't beat the Denver since 1995. So, Zach, that one's for you. I just wanted you to remind you of that one more time that we managed to pull off that win yesterday. So, he would have done the same if I would have had him on this podcast and if they would have managed to beat us yesterday that leads right into the next thing we wanted to talk about which is don't get too hyped on preseason in camp okay (laughs) it means everything to me you guys don't get it he would never let me live it down if we lost i'm not saying that brandon's petty but i'm not not saying it 100 and i'm fine with it so we've talked a little bit about this, but like with the Brian Robinson news, that's a lot different than a 90% of the news that's coming out right now, which is, oh, this guy looks phenomenal in camp. This guy just made this incredible catch in camp. And like those stories mean nothing. Those stories mean absolutely nothing. But this like, but Antonio Gibson fumbling twice in a preseason game and it looking very much like Robinson took over for him after that issue, that does matter. There's other things that do matter, like, um, you know, who's running with the ones versus Mm -hmm. like, you know, and bad news, bad news actually does matter when you're hearing, you know, like we've had, we've had instances like, uh, you know, Jamar Chase's drops last year or whatever that like, it's not really a big deal. But if you're hearing that, um a guy is not like actually living up to his potential especially one of these like rookie or sophomore players then that that negative news might actually matter getting replaced early getting replaced by other players veterans getting a little bit more time it's something to keep an eye on but like you're going to hear stuff from every different reporter one second you could read something about a player being absolutely amazing because they caught that one catch that they made in practice. And two seconds later, you could hear something that they're absolutely terrible and they messed up and they're getting replaced. I mean, you're hearing everything about Traylon Burks right now. That's a big one that you're hearing about that. He's not living up to the hype. And then a few minutes later, I see him making this incredible catch or, you know, it's all this different stuff. So We've heard it all from every different type of player, but it's just something to keep an eye on. A lot of these preseason games, you're going to see some of these players, um, you know, making some incredible catches. Or, but you have to remember that they're not playing against every starter in the league right now. They're not going up against every starting defensive player or the you know offensive line, defensive line, all that stuff. You're going to see different stuff. Uh, so, you know, temper your expectations for now. I mean, but I would certainly keep an eye on some of these, you know, rookies, just keep an eye on them throughout camp. I will say that having a, like 
breaking coverage and making a touchdown pass against a third stringer, not a big deal. But struggling against a third string, uh, you know, corner or like not breaking coverage, like that means something. Like, you should not be getting shut down by those yeah. players because if you're like, getting shut down by them, what are you going to do? You're when drafting you're actually- the first round and you're like, you know, losing to like a seventh round pick from like nineteen, uh, you know, 2019. Maybe we're drafted a little bit too high. Yeah. yeah. Which is something to note for some of these guys who have been playing well in the preseason. Uh, like, there's been a lot of hype on Romeo Dobbs. There's been a lot of hype on Danny Gray mm-hmm. and some of these other rookie wide receivers. And it's like, don't get too overexcited. But at the same time, like, this is because because this is what they should be doing. They should be able to come out here and smash these mm-hmm. these guys who aren't going to make the team. Right. Like the, a lot, some of these guys are going to get cut. There's cuts coming this week. Everybody has to cut down to, I think, 85 players from uh, what, 100, 105 man rosters. Or yeah, so. I think you're, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So, there. you know, a lot of these guys that they've been playing against aren't even going to be on an NFL team this year or they're going to be week. on practice squads. Um, so the the some of this big hype is just it's it's. It's what they should be doing. It needs to be expected, and you shouldn't start uh, moving guys too far up uh, based on what they're doing in in preseason games against third stringers and fourth. String don't be guys. start. Don't start looking for you know first and second round picks for a guy because he scored in his first preseason game. So and- don't uh, don't draft Dobbs third overall. Um, I want him to be amazing, but also just just saying. Uh, Jared, uh, Jared Aberdeenis or whatever his name was, Jake Kumaru, um, what is it? Something Davis. There's there's a lot of uh, fourth string Packers receivers that get a lot of hype every single year, and none of them are, have ever like made an impact. Jake Kumaru uh, was uh, you know a three years running a camp god, and like he did it with Rodgers, and then he did it with Allen, and you know. There's plenty of opportunity in both those teams to become a relevant receiver, and he caught zero passes or next to zero. So, and these are uh, great quarterbacks who were praising him nonstop in camp, and he was making plays. So, just like, just temper your expectations. That's, I think that's the theme of today. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, right now it's it's that time of year where the only news we have, other than these these really bummer injuries, is just camp hype and. Another thing, too, is that a lot of this camp hype you're hearing, it's not like the coaches saying this. This is like a beat reporter making their own judgment call or this is like what a teammate said about them or, you know, different things like that. It doesn't always give you any kind of actual insight into what the coaching staff and the team wants to do. So it's just somebody's opinion and not necessarily reflective of what this season will look like. You could have a guy have be having a great camp and he could be looking pretty good he could still get cut from the team when they have mm-hmm. to drop down to 50 you know drop down the roster i mean it could still happen because maybe the roster isn't built to want that player on the team it's nothing against that player hopefully he gets picked up by somebody but that's where we're saying you know don't jump to drop somebody else from your team just to pick somebody up because they had one good day of practice and you know, you know and like I mean, we've we've seen it with guys like uh, I think two years ago there was this rookie running back for the Raiders who had like over 250 yards in the preseason. He was just out there smashing, looked awesome, and it was like, oh, maybe this is Jacobs' backup. And you know, Jacobs has had like some issues where he's been banged up here and there, so he could be like a you know a big handcuff that'd be awesome. And then he was just like on the practice squad. Yeah, just so. um, it's just non-existent. I mean, it can happen. So. Yeah. That's a definitely a big one. So let's jump into now talking a little bit about the twelve team uh, Superflex Dynasty startup. Like what we, what our league settings are, some of the strategies, what you should look at going into team building as far as like win now versus you know future value and things like that. So uh, we're doing a twelve team Dynasty Superflex tight end premium startup. So. For those of you that don't know essentially what that means, it's a dynasty league. Superflex is basically a two QB league, uh, and the tight end premium is every reception for a tight end gets one and a half points per reception instead of one point per reception. 
or a half point per reception if you do a half point PPR as well. So um, also in our league, we have a little bit different uh, uh, interception um, point scoring. So we were actually just discussing this before. So ours are going to be with the league settings. It's uh, two points per interception, and then you actually lose three points if you give up a point uh, a pick six. And the reason why for that is because that's such a game changer in an interception, anyways. Giving up that point, you know that that pick six, uh, it's a little bit more of a punishment for that. Uh, that changes when you have uh, an increase, depending on what your settings are for interceptions and things like that. It could change the type of player that you look at as far as who you're drafting. I mean, because if you had something like that a couple of years ago or a few years ago when, uh, you know, Jameis had the 30 interception um, season, I mean, that's going to drastically change where he finishes his season um, in the in the league. So that's something to keep an eye on. And, you know, I would look at, uh, as far as how you guys uh, set up your your leagues, so um, what's uh, what's some of like your strategies when you go into uh, a super flex league, Jordan? Do you go win now right away? Do you try and do uh, look into the future, or what are what are kind of your builds? Well, so I've I've done several, you know, I mean I've done a ton of mock drafts getting ready for this, and um, there's a few different ways I've built my team where I. I really like the results uh, i'm picking at the 11 spot and i've i've done win now teams and i've done future builds it seems to me like if kyle pitts drops to me at the 111 and i take him there or in this one specifically he made it back around on the turn and so i got him at the 2-2 that almost feels like i have to kind of play for the future uh taking a tight end that early it, it definitely sets you back in a few places, but there is some really good value to be gained if you do want to try and do a win now build later on. The way you got to do that, I think, is to fade quarterback. We're only in a 12-team league here, and these like these older guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, uh, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, they all fall quite a few rounds. So trying to snag them later, uh, Matt Ryan falls even later than that. I grabbed him here at the 11 too. So just trying to find some value at certain positions. If you're going to take your quarterbacks early, maybe look at fading tight end. If you're going to take your tight end early, you might need to fade quarterbacks. It's kind of a similar strategy to what I have in a one QB league where you just have to pick your spots and you want to be like trying to find a way to have a a positional advantage where every week you're like, well, I'm going to beat this guy at wide receiver or I'm going to beat this guy at running back so that you only have to piece together a few other pieces. So, yeah. so in a, a, just to lay out kind of how our, our league is too, it's a little bit different as well as we are doing three wide receiver, two flex uh, and two running backs. So you can start up to five wide receivers in our league as well. So um, it kind of changes essentially how he was talking about the reason why he's kind of fading uh, the quarterback a little bit is because of being able to draft five wide receivers or start five wide receivers at the same time. So does that change for you or Josh, are you looking for more of a win now or a future build or how do you kind of do it when you go into a, a startup? So if I've been mixing up my strategies uh, every time because I don't, I believe fully that you shouldn't have one strategy going in. I think you should be able to pivot. If the people following to me are all win now, I'm definitely going to, you know, pivot to that. I prefer to think long term. I like younger guys. I think I've skewed younger and pretty much always like someone who's in their first three years, especially if they're that high level talent. I'm like, how long can they maintain this? I do love that. I'm in the ninth, so I'm not going to get the you know, Jamar Chase. I'm not going to get Jefferson. But if I can get one of those premium quarterbacks, you know, if the gods will it, um, then I will take that. I will just like to kind of like look at my different options and how I, it's like kind of flowing, especially as we mentioned like that third round turn, as we'll probably go into a little bit later, is just um, – it really dictates um, how I'm going to do the first. Like, I think the first three rounds are going to dictate how the rest of it goes. I'm going to get my guy. I, I'm probably going to go quarterback early. I know you guys are saying fade it, but since other people I know are going to fade it, I'm going to reap the benefits of that. I'm going to take someone. Okay, well, just uh, give me someone who's valued a round higher 
for free, I'm, I'm going to do that. And then I'll make up for it you know, later. There are always good receivers, in my opinion, that you can get. So I'll get more of those risky plays. So I think I'm more... So you're more of an upside, like looking mm-hmm. at the upside later 100%. on, especially if they fall to you, so if those quarterbacks fall. Early on, I'm going to like lock in at least one surefire RB1 receiver one. I don't want to have to like worry week to week. But um, after that, I'm just going to see what's available. And uh, it's hard. Like I, I'm going to go early, uh, young, and high potential, and then... I think mid rounds, I like to go a little bit more established. Not not the end of the career, but like you know, they're still at least three years good into this. Just so player. you still have a way of setting a roster. You're not just young, only yeah. looking for the like, future. Because um, I'm not going a receiver heavy. I am getting Thielen a lot, and I'm like Thielen's amazing. I'm gonna like he's gonna steady my high uh, risk, high reward picks because he's gonna give me that uh, that consistent output. And so that's going to put the balance in my team, I think, and let me make riskier plays earlier on. And if he stays healthy, the guy just is a touchdown oh, machine. So, yeah. you know, and then and that's part of where – so I'm I'm in a different point in the draft than you guys are because I have the number two pick in, in this draft. So I've been so torn. I've been going back and forth. I've done mocks with, you know, going that early quarterback, which is either, you know – Josh Allen, Herbert, or Mahomes, mm-hmm. which I think is essentially what most people should do. Like if I'm giving my advice to everybody and you have one of those first three picks, my advice is to go with one of those first three quarterbacks. It's hard to pass them up. All three of them are going to be in the league for a number of years. They're going to be some of the top quarterbacks for a number of years. But Especially I'm torn. the deeper your league is. If you're in a 14 or 16 man league, you cannot pass that quarterback no, up. No chance. First three picks. Those, yes. those have to be your first first picks. Because you're going to have 10 to 12 quarterbacks go in the first round then if you're in a 16 team league. And you're going to end oh, up yeah. with a different quarterback at the you know the back end of the second you almost have to go quarterback quarterback but i'm in torn a 14 or 16 team league there's gonna be like half the teams are only gonna have one or two quarterbacks and you're trying to start two every single week so you you're gonna have to snatch those quarterbacks up but in a 12 team league like ours it, it you know taking a, a matt ryan in the second or early third doesn't make sense you're not gaining the enough of a positional advantage there to like pass up on on elite players at other positions just because it's a two QB league. Yeah, I've had an interesting uh, I've been fighting with myself on what to do with this because we are in that full PPR dynasty startup. So I actually have been torn on whether or not I should go with like a Justin Jefferson at the number two pick. I have a chance to go with him there. But at the same time, we've talked about, you know, I've gone back and forth and in a couple of mocks, for some reason, the number one guys chose, you know, Herbert and then Josh Allen's fallen to me. And I just, I couldn't pass him up. So it's, it's that having the ability to pivot, but it's also, you know, if if I go quarterback in the first round, I'm almost guaranteed to not go quarterback in the second round, even though there's been times where like Trey Lance falls to me and things like that. And if you can, if you are in a startup and you have the ability or you are, you have her, you t- say you take Herbert or Mahomes at number two, and then Trey Lance does fall to you in a super flex dynasty startup. It's not a bad option to, to go with him. I mean, he has such high upside. I thought he did look really good in camp and he has a lot of value. So if you do need to pivot with the way the rest of your team goes and you need to trade Trey Lance, you can get an older quarterback to pair with, you know, Herbert, and you can also grab some other players to go along with that. So there are ways of, of utilizing that high upside quarterback as well in the second round. But, um, you know, mine's completely changed. I've gone with young builds. I've done win now builds and being in the number two spot is kind of different because what we are doing in our league as well. And this is something you guys consider in your leagues. If you want to do something like this in a dynasty startup is we actually have a third round reversal in ours. So basically it goes all the way through the first round, the second round, as soon as it get back, gets back to the number one pick, rather than the number one pick being on the turn, so them having the second and third round, it jumps all the way back to the number 12 player to be able to go uh, 
with their third round pick and make their way back through. So the number one pick actually has the three, four turn instead of the two, three turn. So it's a totally different strategy at that point. Um, I've never done one before. It's kind of thrown all of us off. I think when we first started drafting this, um, you know, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been different looking at like how you're going to do it. Um, some of the guys that are at the back end of the draft, like actually really love having that third, especially the number 12 pick, the guy that's in the number 12 spot. Like he is just absolutely loving the way it's falling to him we right hate now. You, Zach. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. It's uh, it's been falling to him. Loading uh, nonstop. Yeah. His last moth though. Wasn't good. No, no, <laughs> but you know, somehow it's just been falling to him. Uh, and his roster has been definitely a win now roster the way he's been mocking. I'm not sure if that's the way he's actually going to go today when we do, our actual draft, but you know, so a, th- a third round reversal is something that everybody can look at um, adding in it. It basically the way the third round, ver- why the third round reversal is there is to kind of balance out the teams. Mm-hmm. It allows that number 12 uh, position to be able to have some top picks with the first and second round. Cause when you're in the first five picks, you're getting the best, some of the best players in, in the league right away. And it gives them the ability to kind of balance out those first three rounds. That's what the third round reversal yeah, is kind I of put in there. The for. math is supposed to be there because like the, every year, the, like the top five, even three players just score so much beyond. It's like, Kel- I mean, last year was the different, but like Kelsey as a tight end, uh, always way has outshot everyone else every single other year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Andrew's kind of cut into that and it was a down year for Kelsey, but it's like that big, huge gap does create kind of a haves and haves not. So it's kind of a uh, good to kind of redistribute all that. Yeah. Then if you're, I mean, if you're at the back end of the draft, you get the last player in the first round, but you are the first person to take your second player and you're the first person to take your third player. Mm-hmm. And there's still really, really, really good players available in the second and third round. So having that uh, that advantage of being the first person to have your third third guy on your roster, and it that's really where you go from. Okay, how like am I just taking value, like trying to get the best guys, to where you kind of figure out your game plan, like like Ritter was saying earlier in round three. Once you get those top three guys, you kind of know looking at those three guys. Uh, am I going to win this year or am I going to try and win next? Is it more realistic to try and win next year? Um, and then from there, you know, that's kind of how you build your upside. Like you don't want to take a guy like Adam Thielen. If your first picks were, you know, Kyle Pitts and maybe Javante Williams. <laughs> and then like in the third round, you take maybe like a, a really young wide receiver, like an AJ Waddle Brown or, or Jalen Waddle or something like, yeah, Jalen Waddle would be a great example to where you're like, this guy long-term, his upside is fantastic, but I don't know how, like, I don't know if he's going to be a top five wide receiver this year. So now maybe I continue taking young shots on upside guys rather than taking somebody to like solidify a position this year where I'm really making a push. But like you're not going to grab a Keenan Allen or something knowing that Keenan Allen's toward the end of his, you know, his career. Exactly. Whether or not, you know, he's going to be probably really good still this year. I mean, I still have him, you know, as as a probably a top 15 wide receiver this year. But at the same time, you have to look at it, like you said, your your first three picks determine your entire draft. You know, because you as soon as your draft is done, the second your draft finishes, you now have draft picks. You have draft picks that you can trade or you have draft picks that you can acquire as well. So that is something also to think about. If there is somebody that has more of a win now roster and you can beat them to a player you have and you want to go younger and you want to try and build for next year, um, you have the ability to snag a win now player and get those draft picks for next year's draft as well if. If it's I, something that you want to try and build towards. That's true. I Though, um, I think this is one mistake a lot of people who are building for the future do make. Though, they think, I'm going to be able to tra- trade this. You should never, you know, uh, predict your ability to trade. Trading is hard, like, especially if you're playing with people who know the game. Because everyone wants to win a trade. So, uh, I will always take value. If, it, if I think a guy is, like, two rounds better, I will always take him. But... There is a risk in that, and you 
don't you can't just think that you can just offload it and win a trade or even get the value that you have like there's been plenty of times where i got a guy i knew he was the best i like really believed in him and i wouldn't be able to you know move him for anything so well like, that's part of what happened when we were doing the mock the other night like i was telling you guys i've never ha- i've never had kelsey on any of my my fantasy teams like any of them and he fell to me at the three at the 311 in in our our mock last night and like i don't usually take an early tight end it's not something that i do i i fade tight ends because there's a lot of high upside tight ends i think especially this year and so i always fade one and then but kelsey was just sitting there like at 311 and i was like how do i pass him at 311 like how do you just let him go past you know right there especially in a tight end premium league where this year they have so many vacated targets and my roster was looking kind of like a win now roster so it was like i had to go with him so if a player is going to fall to you because kelsey should be going sooner than that even in a dynasty startup right now i i still think kelsey's going sooner kelsey could end up you know being one of those tight ends that plays six more years like you have no idea he he hasn't really shown signs of breaking down yet um yeah i mean kelsey is gonna definitely i think be an antonio gates uh tony gonzalez Tony Gonzalez, like uh, what is it dallas clark types these people just some tight ends are built different and they just last now i think he's gonna you know get slower by the time but dallas clark was old and yeah uh, I mean, he had Peyton Manning, but like he caught touchdowns, and like there's something about being tried and true and reliable, even when the volume goes down, even when you know you're not as fast as you used to be. You know those routes, you're crisp, and you're relied upon, especially in the key moments. And it, when it, you know what, on a really good offense, and you have Patrick Mahomes, like you know throwing those touchdowns, you're gonna get in the red zone, and you're a big body. Like uh, Mercedes Lewis still gets thrown to, so yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say like, uh, no matter how much he slows down over the next couple of years, Travis Kelsey's still gonna be huge. That's not gonna go away. <laughs> no, so. he just has to stand in the end zone and catch the ball. Like exactly. that's exactly, and he's still, you know, he's still like like Ritter's saying, he uh, he knows the routes. He's got the chemistry with Mahomes, so. I think it's you know for especially if you're building a win now roster like you're real if you're building a win now roster you're only looking at this year and next year for the most part and yeah. Kelsey I don't think Kelsey's going to retire after this year I've never heard any rumors like that he probably plays at least two or three more years so. yeah if he falls to you that that's just a player like you know even if you're a young roster on a tight end premium league and he falls to you it's somebody that you snatch value. You, yeah you, you pick them up i mean you, you have to pick them up i mean if you, you, you talk about wanting to win at every position or you want to try and win at a position when you go into a week travis kelsey is one of those players that you have a chance to win at tight end every single week especially like, this year especially this year but even last year like yeah he started the season really slow and that's why mark andrews did have that tight end one season but uh you look at what he can do every single week. He could beat every single tight end, no matter what his age is for probably this year, next year, who who knows? I mean, you don't know. It could be three, four years that he continues to do this. So it's hard to pass up on those players, even on a young roster, uh, just because you want to try and win those positional advantages. Like if you miss out on a, a Kyle Pitts and then all of a sudden you're in the third round or the back end of the third round and there he is sitting looking at you, you can't really pass them up. I mean, I know there's a lot of really good players I've drafted. I've done a bunch of mocks and there's been a lot of really good players there in the third round, but I just, I couldn't miss the opportunity to take him because I know he would have went in the next turn. So. I will say you're getting a high QB two probably in that late third. Um, and they're, you know, they're good value picks there. You know, you can get somebody drop, but I will say also it's like, if you get Kelsey, there are people who I'm upside on. I will take that risk and then go to Davis Mills. I will go to Jameis Winston. I will go and, you know, just pivot to those guys, go much later, and just recoup that value somewhere else because these are people who they're not going to be the best, but also they're going to fill in that need, and then you can always pick somebody else up later. So it, I agree with that a lot. Like that's kind of what I meant by like fading QB is not that I'm going to necessarily wait to take my first QB till back there because, you know, it's very possible I could take maybe a Trey Lance or Jalen Hurts in the second round. It's good value. They're young guys with a lot of upside. But um, you just, you know, you don't always have to just fill up your roster. 
like you, you, you don't have to fill every single position in your starting roster before you start filling bench positions. And if the value's there at what, at any position really in a tight end, you know, in a tight end premium two QB league, like wherever you're finding value and you feel like you're gaining a massive positional advantage there, like you can snatch that value and you don't have to feel like, Oh, what if, you know, what if I don't have, you know, all the right RBs or all the white, right, white, right wide receivers or different things like that. Like you can, you can figure those things out. We're going to have at least two weeks still before, or two or three weeks before the season starts from when we get our draft done. And we can, you know, you can make trades, you can try and make things happen. And, uh, you know, in a deep dynasty league, there's not going to be a lot on the waiver wire, but you know, if, if there is like go early at those guys and take your shots when you can. Yeah, so in that league or in that mock, um, I hadn't had a quarterback yet in the first two rounds. I actually did go uh, Justin Jefferson in that mock just to see what it kind of looked like. Um, but one of the things that uh, were one of the quarterbacks that was available in that third round that would have been my first QB that I would have drafted was Trevor Lawrence. And as much as I like Trevor Lawrence and I, I think that he makes a leap this year, I couldn't take I couldn't take Trevor Lawrence in my opinion as uh you know just just to have my first QB there over like a Travis Kelsey um you know because I think there is other quarterbacks that I could have grabbed and I ended up grabbing later on but I went with that positional advantage right away rather than reaching just to grab to say I had my first quarterback on my roster and I think that's something that you both kind of just mentioned there was it's not necessarily like fading a quarterback but it's like why reach or why just to throw somebody on your roster when you're getting a positional advantage right away yeah, yeah. and then you know uh what is it sometimes it's just you kind of get put in a situation out a completely different draft but i was doing a different one uh 10 team uh what was it it was like a dynasty that i was mocking for and it had Herbert in the third. Now this was a completely different setup. I didn't like anybody. I don't ever take a quarterback that early in the third round. But um, I I had to because like I didn't like anyone that was you know projected around me. The people I knew I wanted would still be in the fourth round. So you know that one just well, actually no that was the the mock that we did uh, the other day in league of yeah, record yeah in league of record yeah. Uh, so, you know, it went completely different from what I usually strategize for but also like my my draft looked weird, but then it rounded out in the end. And that's why you you just you can't go in saying I'm going to do this this this. Like you don't you 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 might have it totally planned out of I'm going to draft this guy in the first round, and then he goes to the pick before you, and it totally throws off your strategy. So that's a bad strategy. Like mm-hmm. you need your strategy to be built in with the you know with the potential different outcomes built in, so that you're going to be happy with your team. So. Uh, I highly encourage you like mock for your league specifically mock with mm-hmm. those settings, try and mock with some of those actual players in those leagues to see, you know, what their tendencies are and what kind of advantages you can figure out to, to gain you. And one thing that I did and we've, I've, I've heard other people talk about this too, is I uh, did a bunch of different mocks and then I went through and I looked at players that are around that, that uh, position for my draft position and I wrote down like four or five players right there. And this is essentially where we talked about the tiers. And this is like four or five players right there that I like or that I would hope would fall to me. And then if one of those players fell to me, then I could look at how my build is on my roster and I can take one of those players and then fall into the next round and look at the same similar scenario. So you can determine where your value is, but also how your build is going. And it gives you that backup plan in case... Like you're really thinking that this player is going to fall to you and he goes two picks before and you're trying to like scramble and figure out where to go. And then you pick the wrong player and you're like, I hate that. And then all of a sudden you're up again and you're like, you know, you throw yourself off. But if you have a good three or four players in each round that you like and that you, you know, you could go with or, you know, three running backs and two wide receivers or however you want to do it. So that way, if your build is going a little bit different, you have these players that you can look at that you want to go with especially if you're at the end of a draft or you're at like, you know, the two or the 11 or 12, you have a long time before a player is going to come back to you. Mm -hmm. And so you ignore ADP at that point. And you look at those players there that will not make it back to you. And you decide, okay, I want to reach for this player now because he will not make it back to me. He has not made it back to me in any of the mocks that I've done. 
And so I want him right here. And so those are where you can write down those players that you may forget about because you don't scroll all the way down. You're not looking at those players a little bit further down and you forget, ah, man, I wanted him there, but I didn't write him down and he didn't make it back. I will say never be afraid to reach. Um, One of the best draft picks. Especially on the turns. Yeah. Uh, But no, one of the best draft picks I ever did was, I think it was year two for Antonio Brown. I took him, I I think I took him in the third round and I think everyone... Uh, in our long-standing draft league, just thought I was crazy because, like, you know, he hadn't blown up yet, but I loved him because he was hyper-consistent. At that point, he had gone, I think, two seasons, because I think this was his third year, of, like, uh, at least eight catches for 60 yards every single thing, and I love that consistency, and I love that offense. There was still Mike Wallace in that, and everyone loved him, had picked him over it. Um, And, you know, like I said, I I got called out for taking him early, but I believed in him. And I took him probably two, three rounds before most people were looking at it in ADP. And had I been smarter, and like this was when I was younger in the, you know, in my uh, fantasy football days, um, I probably would have been more savvy, maybe wait. But I liked him so much, I had to do it. And then that year, he blew up. That was his first huge year, and I felt so smart. I'm not that smart, but I did feel that way for one None of year. us are, but man, when you call your shot and it works out, yeah. oh, you get to throw it in everybody in your league's face for so long. It's great. That's yeah. how you're going to win your league, too, though, yeah. is taking those risks on some of these players. And it's you're, all for fun. So you're not going to win just playing it safe on every single player. Yeah. Take those risks in your draft. I like safe. And I'm, let me just say one That's thing: like, if, if you're a younger or a newer, if you're a newer player to fantasy football, at, and you haven't done a lot of research this off season or whatever, maybe it's your first year and you're just starting to get into it, and you've got a draft coming up in the next week or two, like, just remember that the ADP is the ADP for a reason. And if you see a guy falling down the boards and he's not injured or something, so keep up to date on those injuries but like take the value like guys are going to fall down draft boards who should not fall down draft boards just because guys in your league don't like that player and maybe you don't like that player but if they fall to a certain point like smarter people than you who know more about football than you are drafting them ahead of that spot and so it, you know that some of the ADPs are softer than others, but like if a guy's falling several rounds from where he should be going, like you're getting a value there. You shouldn't doubt that. And you if know, you I have think- a chance to do best ball leagues, do a few best ball leagues before your drafts, your redraft leagues. I'll tell you, it's going to show you a difference. And right now, a lot of the redraft leagues that are going are a lot of people that analyze a lot of football. They pay attention to a lot of different players. Mm -hmm. They're looking at far more in depth than what a lot of the, the standard home leagues are going to look at. It's going to give you an advantage of why some of these players are going earlier. Uh, When, when you're looking at um, best ball, uh, they are are going a lot earlier. That some of these players are are really beating ADP, so it's definitely something that you want to look at. Is take a look at best ball, take a look at ADPs where they're going there. So, you know that's that's my advice. So the other, the other good thing about that with the best ball, I don't really do a lot of best ball, but and I don't gamble a lot except for you know fantasy. It's kind of a gamble anyway. But it's um, I don't do it for money, and I. Do pay attention, though, to Vegas because Vegas has a good tendency of calling things that because, you know, this is these are loan sharks going out. They want to get paid. Those bookmakers know what they're talking about. Like this is their only, you know, this is their whole life. This is their livelihood. Not I mean, this is fun for us and we love it. And we spend hours, too many hours, too many work hours doing this. But um, this is the thing that makes them like puts food on their table so they're going to take this so seriously and they have those connections with those insiders and they they you know it's not just adam schefter who has all those insights and there's a reason why they also go to vegas odds like all the you know the elite talent scouts also look at vegas yeah definitely so all right well you know, we appreciate everybody stopping by for uh, episode four. Thank you, everybody that's been supporting uh, the podcast so far. It's been awesome for us. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at bcff underscore Brandon. Uh, Josh, that's not here. Uh, you can find him at bcff underscore Josh. 
And you can find me at BCFF underscore Jordan. And our main Twitter is at Best Coast FF. Thanks so much, y'all. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you, you so much for stopping by and hanging out. Hopefully we can get you on another podcast here soon. Uh, we're going to be doing some uh, divisional breakdowns here really soon. And uh, really appreciate everybody uh, hanging out. Yeah.